Needle-free injection systems were being used to immunize large numbers of individuals after World War II. Did these needle-free systems called jet injectors actually work? If so, why is it taking so long to develop a needle-free injection system that is a viable drug delivery tool today? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Dr. Charles Potter. Dr. Potter is the inventor of the Glide Solid Dose Injector, a needle-free injection technology. He's also the CEO of Glide Pharma, which is developing the Glide SDI technology. Dr. Potter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed. Well, I'm curious, how did the idea even come to you to come up with this product? I have been working in the drug delivery industry for about 12 years now, and I previously worked with a company that had a needle-free injector for firing powders into the skin. This technology is still in development, partly because it was a very complicated system. Getting powders to get reliable injection into the skin is very difficult, and I wanted to take the best components of that technology, so the solid dosage form and the needle-free components, and put them into a much, much simpler system. And that's what we've done with the Glide SDI. So the product exists? Yes, the product exists. It's not on the market yet. It's still in development because the medical regulations of getting pharmaceutical products to the market are very stringent, as they should be. But we are progressing very well with the developments. How do things differ between injecting powder versus injecting an actual, what looks like in your articles, it looks like a pill? Right. What we're delivering is a very tiny pointed rod of drug, so much, much smaller than a grain of rice. And the point on the end means that we can push it into the skin. So it's the pushing action that makes it fundamentally different. With the powder delivery systems, you're firing powders, all these particles are going at different velocities and hitting different types of skin on different people and therefore go to different depths. We have our tiny pointed rod. It's pushed at the skin and therefore we push hard enough to get through the thickest skin types. And when we stop pushing, it stops moving, which means if we can deliver it to thick skin, we can obviously get into elderly people with thinner skin mm -hmm. or children. And what about blood? No, we don't get blood because we're effectively, we leave the, the drug in place in the skin and that plugs the hole. The act of penetration does not cause any bleeding? No, it doesn't. Wow. Um, and if you imagine patients that are injected with a hypodermic needle, mm -hmm. you don't get bleeding when the needle is inserted. Right. The only time you get bleeding is occasionally when the needle is withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So we're effectively plugging that hole with our drug and then the drug dissolves and is released to the tissue. It's a subcutaneous injection, correct? You're not going into the muscle. At the moment, the device is set up to give a subcutaneous injection, but we can push deeper by changing the parameters of the device. What kind of hurdles are you facing to develop it? Just going through the standard regulatory process. Obviously, with the clinical trial regulations that have come in over the last couple of years, it means that getting into clinical trials is a lot more stringent. It's supposed to be easier in Europe. We always hear that everything's been around for years in Europe before we get it. But we still have our regulations, so it takes a time to make sure that you've got all the right stability programs in place and that you know that you've got the sterile product before it's put into the uh, patients and things. So we're going through all of that and making good progress. When I was a kid, I remember getting one of these jet injectors. So what was that doing? How was that getting the, the vaccine into me? Right. The jet injector technology has been around for decades. What they do there is you're firing a liquid at the skin. So you have a fine jet of liquid fired at a high enough velocity that it, again, it penetrates the skin without needing a needle. But as you hit different skin types, then the drug is going to different depths. 
and with some patients it was bouncing off the skin. So you couldn't get that reliable, accurate, repeatable delivery. And so those technologies are still in development with a number of different companies, but they have taken a long, long time to get to market because they end up being very complicated technologies. One of the advantages we have is that we have a very, very simple technology that pushes the drug into the skin. That means we can get the accurate, reliable, repeatable delivery. And the other big advantage is that we have the drug in a solid dosage form. And you may be aware that drugs in a a solid form are typically more stable than those in a liquid form. That would be good for developing countries. That would be extremely good for developing countries, but also for patients in industrialized countries. If you're a diabetic and your insulin is kept in a fridge, Mm -hmm. then it means you're tied to the house. Either that, or if you want to go out, you don't take your insulin. So it will allow patients a lot more freedom to take their drugs, treat their disease, make themselves better, reduce healthcare costs for the nation. Are there any medicines that you cannot deliver that way? The main limitation for the technology is the physical dose we can deliver, because obviously the size of dose we want to push into the patient is relatively small. So the biggest limitation is, yes, we can't get in big doses, but it is applicable for a wide range of drugs that are commonly injected in the home. So drugs like insulin, human growth hormone, interferon beta, which is used for treating multiple sclerosis, erythropoietin, PTH, which is for osteoporosis. So there's quite a wide range at home. And then the other big area for us is vaccinations. And vaccinations, obviously, there's the industrialized countries, but then the developing world that we've uh, touched on already, and also for pandemic use. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. I'm talking today with Dr. Charles Potter, CEO and inventor of Glide Solid Dose Injector from Glide Pharma. And Dr. Potter, Tell me a little bit about the device itself. Is it disposable? Is it reusable? What can you do with it? Okay, the device itself comprises two main components. There's a handheld actuator. That is spring-powered and can be used hundreds of times. And then we have a small disposable drug cassette. So this is the component that contains the drug in a solid dosage form, so a tiny, smaller-than-a-grain-of-ice drug form. And that is single-use and disposable. So when a patient needs their drug, they open up the the cassette from its packaging, insert it into the end of the actuator, and all they have to do is push it against the skin, push, you hear an audible click, and the drug is in place. You then remove the cassette and throw it away in standard household waste. After that click, is there a scream? No, not at all. We've done trials and demonstrated that the sensation is very similar to a standard injection that you'd have, say, for a vaccination. So there is a sensation, but the patients preferred the Glide SDI. And the reason they preferred it is because although there is that tiny sensation, it's over in a fraction of a second. Right, and there's no needle to freak them out. There's no needle, so they have the thought of that needle. And as you're aware, you think about the needle coming towards you. You then get that tiny scratch as it's inserted. Then you've got the fluid being pushed into the skin, and you feel your your skin having to tear, and then you have the needle being withdrawn. And it's that whole process that people don't like. Well, it sounds like something I would like to get my hands on. How far away from market are you? The first product won't be on the market for at least a couple of years because of the regulatory hurdles and clinical trials that we need to go through. 
Um, but we are in the process of developing a broad range of drugs for home use and vaccines. Not only are we developing these ourselves, but we are now working with some of the major pharmaceutical companies. Right. I would imagine they're very interested in your delivery system. Who, who are the big players in terms of vaccines these days? The biggest players on the world market in vaccines are Novartis, GlaxoSmithKline, Sanofi, Pasteur, and Merck, and Wyeth. They're probably the top five, not necessarily in that order. Tell me about some of the competition. There's a company that's UK-based called Powder Med. What do they have that's different? They are the company that has, in fact, I used to work for, that fire the particles at the skin. They are now wholly owned by Pfizer, who are now getting into vaccines. They're mm -hmm. a sort of new player in the vaccine field, but as the largest pharmaceutical company in the world, then obviously they will be a big player at some point in the future. So they have bought the Powder Med technology, but it is really focused on the delivery of DNA vaccines, which is a new type of vaccine. And those are currently not on the market. I know it's too soon to say, but what will your device cost? The cost is very dependent on volumes. At the current stage of manufacturing, then we are relatively low volumes. But as we get product onto the market, even in relatively low numbers, we will immediately be comparable to a pre-filled syringe or an auto-injector, which is the typical way that drugs are injected at home. As we start going up in volumes, then we should be able to start competing with a standard needle and syringe. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to applications in developing countries, then we believe that is a reality, that the main things we have to contend with in developing countries is firstly getting away from needles, addressing that, getting away from cold chain storage, i.e. needing refrigeration. We're addressing that with our solid dosage form. And thirdly, doing it at a cost that can be borne by these sort of nations. And we can address that when we get to the right volumes. What's your five-year fantasy? Where do you see your product being used? Taking yeah. over needles, replacing needles. Replacing needles for some applications. We can't replace needles for all applications. Needles will obviously be required to take blood and other substances sure. from the body. We also have this limitation in terms of dose, so it won't work for every drug, but for many of the big applications like the vaccines and for many of the biologics that are delivered in the home environment, then yes, we will be trying to eliminate the needles. Is Glide Pharma a private company or a publicly traded company? It's a private company. Uh, I'm just curious, has any big pharma come along and said, we'd like to buy you? Or are they waiting to see how your product turns out? None of them have yet put a check on the table. Uh, <laughs> we are currently in negotiation with five different pharmaceutical companies. We're already working with a, a couple of big pharmaceutical companies. So we're getting a lot of interest from the industry. We have to take our product a little bit further through the development process to eliminate all of the risks associated with it. But yes, there is certainly interest in the pharmaceutical industry. Dr. Potter, with all wonderful inventions, there's always a kind of a dark side of people using it for unintended purposes. Do you worry about any chance of abuse that people get a hold of your injectors and start shooting heroin, which would be actually kind of good because you don't have to worry about transmitting uh, hepatitis or HIV? You could say that it would be a benefit for some of these applications. These are not applications that we're working on immediately. Right. It would be very difficult for an individual to do that because they would need the drug in the right sort of dosage form to be able to inject it. 
and therefore they'd need to be setting up their own manufacturing lines. So it's not something somebody would do lightly. The last question, what is the biggest barrier or hurdle that you still have to overcome before we can have the benefit of pushing drugs into our skin? The biggest barrier is going through the the regulatory hurdles, which are, they're all there for a very good reason. They're all surmountable. It just takes us time and resource to get there. It'd be lovely to get the product out on the market tomorrow. I'd love to be treating patients with our technology immediately, but we have to go through these regulations and we will do. Dr. Charles Potter, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com, and thanks for listening. <laughs>